Welcome back to the All Personal Podcast, where we turn the good old saying, nothing personal, just business, upside down, and prove how, in fact, it's all personal, nothing is just business. Because it's all either intrapersonal, how we manage ourselves, or interpersonal, how we manage our relationships with others, both at home and at work. It's, it's all about our personal skills muscles. My guest in this episode is Deborah Joy Ekbov. Deborah is a consultant, author, musician, and a passionate teacher. For over 25 years, she has worked with clients and students, sharing the importance and the joy of better understanding and nurturing our mind, body, and spirit. Prior to concentrating on teaching, she had a private practice in body-centered psychotherapy and shiatsu. For over 15 years, she is teaching with the Art of Living Foundation, a humanitarian, educational, international, not-for-profit. Deborah is also a director of product development at Beda by Sonia, and she also teaches Ayurveda at the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition. She also produced her CD of original music in 2003, and she continues to sing and create music, now exploring and sharing the beauty and impacts of vibrations and sound. I absolutely loved this conversation with her. She has been sharing so many wisdom nuggets with us. We definitely talked about skills and what they're made of. We talked about what makes a good leader. We also discussed how the capacity of an organization is set by the vision of the leader and how it is that people is what makes it all happen. We also talked about how we work with stress and what stress does to us. And we brought on an interesting concept of life as a leisurely walk, but a walk with purpose. What Deborah also says that I absolutely loved is that everybody's story is valuable. So are you ready? to hear her story of becoming. Here we go. Debra, welcome to the All Personal Podcast. A pleasure to be here. Before we dive right in, um, I wanted to ask you about what your journey in short, has been so far? Uh, it's a very good question, and it has had many twists and turns along the way. But when I look back, it's been gathering tools that have been allowed me to do a lot of different things. And it's been a journey from the outside to the inside, in that I started out in a very macro way, working in companies and working in the larger world, and then over time coming into the individual. And as I've learned over time, um, that's where everything starts. In fact, if I may, I have a, 
quote from Conscious Capitalism, which is a wonderful book about business. Okay. And what the authors John McKay and Ray Sisodia say is contemplative practices such as meditation, yoga, tai chi, breathing, chanting, affirmations, visualizations, and centering prayer are all very valuable in helping an individual develop into a more conscious leader. Wow, I love that quote. And it's, and it's so true that it starts, it all starts from within, it all starts with the individual. Yes. Right. And then it replicates. Yes. <laughs> and, and the, you know, the, um, the capacity of an organization is set by the vision of the leader, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the leader will attract people with similar vibrations or similar motivations, what different teams, different cultures are set by the leaders. So when the leaders are conscious and have a higher goal, and when the leaders understand and look at the world from a perspective of inclusivity and um, in, enfolding into them all the potential that's there of business. In fact, um, in a podcast with Ken Wilber, he was saying research has shown that conscious companies are 10% more, are 10 times more productive than other companies. So yeah. it's not just individual benefit, but market benefit as well to approach yeah. one's skills, one's tasks, one's products from a conscious perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. And as we were talking, and I think the discussion right now is huge around well-being, about diversity, about inclusion, equity, and it all seems to have the same starting point, the one that you mentioned earlier. It starts with the individual and the more the individuals start to be aware of their own skills, their own strengths, their own blind spots and learning points, that's where they start developing. And that's where they're more understanding and inclusive with other people as they understand that we're all on a learning journey, right? Absolutely. Very beautifully said. Yes. <laughs> it's so important to know our strengths, our weaknesses, and our blind spots, you know, yes. whether it's called a blind spot or a shadow, but yep. those are very, the, very often the ones that interfere with the um, development of teams and with the culture mm -hmm. in a team. And um, if we are individually willing to take responsibility for that, that really grows the group dynamic and it opens the empathy for one's own humanity to oneself and to others yeah yeah i loved how you said it it opens the empathy because that's what it takes right it takes yes. openness yes the expansion yeah yeah um so deborah i was curious because we were we already started as i expected that we would do in this conversation we already started with discussing about skills and teams and and leadership and what it takes how would you how would you define skills what what do they mean for you mm. 
Skills are a mixture of interests and gifts. Mm -hmm. I think we often, uh, when we're younger, we get the chance to develop those attributes, skills, where we have a talent. Mm -hmm. um, and very often they're gifts that we never even had to work for, whether it's a uh, one of the intelligences, because there's many different intelligences. Right. You know, so I mean, academics will appreciate cognitive intelligence or verbal intelligence. Musicians and the arts will appreciate visual intelligence and musical intelligence. But there's also other intelligences of communications and systems, which only come up later on in life and are not rewarded the same way from an academic, from an educational perspective at this time in our development. Um, so those are what skills are. And I think everybody is expert, is a genius in at least one of them. And I think it's important though, to be well-rounded and to be inclusive for ourselves is to develop as many as we can within ourselves. So developing skills means going out and getting the information and the knowledge that will help a career from a technical point of view. It also means getting the skills which are considered more soft, which are, I think, more important in some ways, which allow us to work with people and motivate them and direct them. You know, the, um, the programs that I've worked on, we sometimes say, what are the skills? What, what makes a good leader? And when people think about it, and I hope your listeners will take a moment to think about it, the things that come up are usually things like loyalty, openness, good communicator, they cover my back, I can trust them, you know, they're charismatic, and none of those are technical skills. Those are personality skills. And so the more we can understand that and develop that within ourselves, and we're all different with them, but let our authentic self be there, the more we're of service both to ourselves and to the company, country, and humanity. Yeah, I think, and I love the point that you made about, you know, these are not technical skills, these are more of a personality skills. And actually, you know, I have a, an issue with calling them soft skills because they're not soft at all. These are skills that, first of all, it takes a lot of time to learn most of them. Uh, and they're, um, they're essential. They're not soft. <laughs> so especially in intangible rather than, rather than soft, we can call them intangible. Mm -hmm. Intangible. Yes. And I think especially that you said personality skills, it's, I think it's important to look at personality also as something that is continuously developing because the personality doesn't have to be um, one and the same for all of our life. And actually personality changes as we go through different stages of our lives. So that's one thing that we can also consider when we talk about you know, personal development, it kind of goes together <laughs> with developing and looking at understanding our personality and looking at what 
what we can do to help it develop further, right? Inter interesting. As you know, I also teach Ayurveda, which is yeah. uh, the science of living, the science of life, the science of your life. And what you're saying is exactly that, to understand what our particular gifts, our particular skills, our unique contributions are in an Ayurveda, uh, which means the, the science of life, as I was saying, um, everybody is recognized to be unique. And when I talk about Ayurveda and business, I love the combination because Ayurveda recognizes that there's three pillars in a, in, um, which come from the five elements. So I'm not gonna give a whole talk on Ayurveda right now, but I just do wanna say that Ayurveda recognizes there's three important parts that need to be well-balanced for any success. In Ayurveda, they're called doshas. They're called vata, pitta, and kapha. So what vata is, is a combination of air and space. It's very creative. It moves around a lot. That's where the impetus for creation and new ideas comes from. Pitta is fire element with a little bit of water. And <clears throat> fire is very charismatic and active. And that's where the managers and that's where the people who can motivate to get that creative put into reality going and keep it going. And kapha is a combination of earth and water, which is structure. So for any enterprise to be successful, it has to have a combination of a good structure, whether that's a building or an accounting system, but the back office. It has to have good management that can take an idea forward, and it has to have the creativity, that spark, which filters it all together and allows it to continue to embellish and grow in the marketplace. So, and every, and every person is a different combination of those three. Mm -hmm. So you'll very interestingly find in the arts, which is a creative field, a lot of people will have this vata dosha and the, also the, phys the physique that goes with it. You know, in the, in the healing and in the caring professions, you'll find people who have a very solid kapha structure because that's where the love and the tenderness and the acceptance is solid and stable and, and very stable and unmoving. And pitta is like that, that energized um, muscular cat, you know, that can get things going and moving. And you can actually sometimes look at people and have a sense of where their strengths will be as well as others. I mean, and then there's, well, most of us are combinations of those three anyways. So we right. can manage them all. But when we're looking for partners, whether in business or in life, to look at those characteristics and see which ones will balance us and which one will explode us. <laughs> yeah, that's such a great point. And actually, I find this fascinating, by the way. And thank you for mentioning it. Thank you for, for bringing it up and explaining it a little bit. And I'm wondering, because you said um, you're in your work with, with leaders, and I assume also in the business and corporate world, um, do you find a mix of this or does it, do they, is there a one that is more prominent, let's say? My experience is that there is a mix of it. Um, and I think um, it, it's all necessary. Without any one of them, there is no life. 
-hmm. without a without a proper structure a building will collapse without the creativity for newness entropy will come in and if there's no management not good management it can just be there but there's no movement in it so the combination is necessary um, at times, you know, there is a um, gathering, as I mentioned, of one or the other together, but all of them are necessary. It's like, it's like a beautiful bouquet. It's like a beautiful mm -hmm. bouquet of flowers. Can enjoy them all from what they are. Each adds to the beauty. And each yeah. is needed, but it's not the total truth. All are needed for the total truth. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And it's... Um... I, I would love to be a fly on the wall when you're mentioning this to leaders in companies and organizations and you have this conversation with them. How does it go, by the way? Is it because I don't think it's in their regular cup of tea, is it? Uh, no, it's not. Well, um, I feel very grateful that one of the other things that I've been able to do is be a trainer with the TLEX Institute, which brings this to corporations. So um, it is, as I said, it's those corporations and those leaders within corporations who recognize that for strategic reasons, it's important for them to contribute to the well-being of their individual members because thereby they're increasing the team's capacity and the potential for strategic development by each individual contributing the best of their creativity to the strategies that will take the, the, the company forward. And we know that in today's world, you know, life cycle of a company can be six months. Yeah. It can be very short. So that cutting edge, that 1% edge of perfection can come through nurturing the individuals and nurturing the loyalty of the individuals and the recognition yeah. that the people have the safety and the security and the commitment and the investment and the return on the investment by contributing their best there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I um, and you you will know that, <laughs> of course. I I definitely agree with that. It all starts mm -hmm. there, and the more the more we understand that this is an investment. It's not an expense. Investing in in our people, because that we're basically investing in the business as we're investing in the people. As you said, well being is strategic. Absolutely. And, and people is what makes it all happen. Yeah. You know, and, and the, uh, you know, the, the human capital, as it has been called in the past, you know, both from an educational point of view, from a health point of view, are requiring this kind of investment. And, and as in our times now, the stress that is being caused by COVID, by pressures of being home, by pressures of the economy changing, is crucial, I think, to ensure that people have tools that can yeah. help them reduce the stress and thereby make good decisions. Because we all know when we're stressed, we don't make the best decisions. If we are stressed, we can be reactive. If the stress, we're stressed, we can be confused. And those aren't, don't make for good decision making. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, which comes back to the initial quote that I mentioned, which is yeah. by the individual coming in. And as, and as you know, the, you know the, the programs that I teach and that I've realized for the last 15 years is the, the 
the most important things to be teaching of meditation and breathing and yoga, give people skills so that whatever their gifts and talents are, they can contribute them. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I'm, I'm so curious to find out how you discovered, because you mentioned Ayurveda, meditation, yoga, how did you discover these, what do we call them, tools yes, <laughs> um, yes. that you brought into your life and that also helped you? So what, what made you uh, look for them and what was the, the story there? Um, interesting. There were a number of events throughout my life um, that guided me or inspired me in different ways. Um, in uh, this, in, early on in my career, I had a massage at home one day and uh, I was comfortable. I set up the room nicely. The massage, she came in, she put up the table. I had a lovely time and relaxing and letting go. And at the end of it, afterwards, as she was packing up, she said to me, how was it? I said, it was great. And she said to me, I did things to your body that you should have had a reflex on your back and there was none. Mm -hmm. And I went, oh, just like what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was like, what's going on here? Why is my body not reacting as is expected, as is understood by this massage therapist. And that started me on the exploration, which fueled me to look at the mind body. Because what I discovered having had, then I went for massages regularly and I started other programs to understand. And I've learned the great relationship. In fact, you know, the, the sameness, the, the contact of the mind and the body, because for whatever reasons, I learned my body was petrified. Mm -hmm. and, it, and, I, and I had been functioning and I had no awareness of it, but learning about that really fueled me more to understand the mind-body connection. And I studied shiatsu and I studied energy medicine because we are energy fields as well as chemical fields, which is there. We're also energy fields and more and more, especially as we understand more about the Eastern traditions, energy is what fuels us. And I had a private practice for a while as a body-centered psychotherapist. Um, so the body really does hold all the information. And um, uh, the, I guess the other story is I then started meditating. In a, and usually these things come to us, you know, as gifts from other people. I sometimes think, you know, we can't be angry at other people when they give good news or bad news. They're just like postmen. They're giving us something right. and we have a decision if we can use it, right? So uh, a friend had asked, told me about a meditation program and I did that for many years. And after my mother passed, I couldn't go away and leave the family um, for periods of time. And then another friend said to me, how about doing an art of living program, which is around the corner from you at a student rate, exactly the weekend you wanted to go away and do your meditation. Well, to me, that was the universe saying, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did it and it did change my life because I, I saw that in a joyful, playful, um, easy to do manner, I could continue with the practices I learned then, which would help keep me balanced 
and would help calm my mind and help strengthen my body. So, and that's what I've done. And then I realized how valuable it was, it is for me. And I said, I have to teach this because as you know, when you are joyful and happy about something, you really want to share it. That Um, is so true. Yes, absolutely. You do want to share it. And especially that now, I mean, talk about return on investment. You've you've experienced the benefits, right? right. And you would like to share, uh, to share with others what, what else is possible and what else can help them as well. And and as you're saying, you know, one of the things that is Uh, So uh, crucial to remember when I did this program and most people, many people I know who do the program, they say, this is great for my wife, for my husband, for my children. They need it. Right. But the truth is we can't make anybody feel or do anything. It's their journey and their experience. So it's really important to bring people to the program so that you can share it together and everybody get out of it what they need. You know, I sometimes laughingly say it's like ice cream you can watch me eat ice cream and I'm having a great time but until (laughs) you actually have your bite of the flavor you like you're not going to have the same experience your experience is what matters not mine oh I love this analogy I will definitely definitely share it with more people and especially I really resonate with that and it's now thinking about especially this field of, you know, personal development, that's why it is personal, right? Because it's our personal experience. It's like eating an ice cream or it's the difference between eating the ice cream yourself or watching somebody else doing that. That's right. And there's no, there's no, there's no complaint or criticism there. You know, if I say, you know, and this, uh, you know, if I say, um, I like tall people, right? Yeah. I can, we, we can decide what tall means. You know, as tall as over 5'10", and that's a fact we can decide. But that I like it, there's no argument. Yeah. It's my personal experience. So there are objective facts in the world, and there are subjective experiences of the facts. And the subjective experiences are what really keep us going. Absolutely. I love that. And I love how you, how you discovered all of these things. And I'm, I'm wondering, is where you are today something that you've imagined yourself to be, I don't know, as you were growing up or not even close? I don't know. <laughs> not even, not even close, I could say. I, I, I had, um, I'm, Many people as in youth, they know what they want to do and they have a path and they get the education and in a certain career. Mine was much more of a, a, a leisurely walk, but a walk with purpose, um, often uh, responding to the promptings or the responses of other people to questions I would ask, or it was in response to the question I ask or the goal I have I think always we make this for the highest good. I will do whatever's necessary for the highest good. And in my case, that really took me on a, a winding experience where I first uh, I did a Bachelor of Commerce, then I did a Master's in Economics. At that point, though, I did a bit of a turn in that uh, while I started out uh, studying international trade, 
um, I ended up studying labor and the economics of the health and education, which with that time was the beginning field, but it put me more in touch with people issues at that right. point. Um, and then from there, that continued for a while. And as I mentioned, I got interested in mind and body. So I developed and I um, studied a lot about um, alternative and complementary therapies in the wellness fields. And um, for um, uh, my livelihood at that time, and while I was studying, I managed not-for-profit organizations in the fields of health and education. So all these different tools came together um, and almost like threads of a tapestry weaving themselves to put me where I am now, which is in an or in, in involved completely in wellness and care, recognizing the individual's internal landscape and how important yeah. that is for the external landscape, the importance of being delicate and nonviolent, the importance of communication and inclusion, um, and listening, accepting everybody's story because everybody's story is valuable. So I had no idea I would be here. And I sometimes quite honestly pinch myself, um, you know, the art of living, which is the foundation that I work with um, and which taught me the yoga, the breathing, the meditation and the Ayurveda started me out on this is an international humanitarian educational foundation in 150 countries. It's 40 years old and the founder, uh, Sri Sri Ravi Shankar is a noted peace activist and humanitarian, and his yeah. vision and mission for the world is a stress-free, violence-free society, a smile on everyone's face. So it's a big mission. We have lots yeah. of work to do, and we do it with a smile. We do it recognizing everybody has to do their part. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's such a great uh, vision to have and mission to have, by the way. I like that so much especially in this context and I think in any con I I don't think in this context in the context of 10 years ago 20 years ago because you never know with people and I guess that's the beauty of it because it we're complex so we create complexity and complex situations all around us and I don't think this will ever stop but being you know, understanding more of what's going on with ourselves first is also going to help in bringing more smiles to more people um, and making this world a little bit less complex in that sense of uh, complex as difficult, complex as um an ongoing conflict that we keep yeah. fueling and, and having yeah it's so interesting what you say because um if one looks at the development over time very much power struggles have been yes. uh, the, the basis of so many conflicts and that sometimes that often comes um through when we look at um the history of mankind is all about war, which is about power struggles in different yeah. ways. You know, and I think that the, the new age, the, the consciousness is understanding that, you know, a power struggle is just the right hand telling the left hand, we're not, you know, I want to go left, you, I want to go right. But to really 
have success, both hands have to work together. And it's not power over anymore, but it's power to achieve, which is the power that really needs to blossom more in the world. And I think that's an educational experience. You know, I think it's a training and I, I think that's a normal growth process that we go through as human beings because as little children, you know, our egos are there, it has to be developed. It's within our family. And then as we grow, we learn that no, my family's not the only family. There's other families. There's families like me and there's families that are different like than me, but all the families matter. And then that expands more into social consciousness and justice and things that require um, a, co a cognitive and intellectual, a moral value to yeah. come together. So I think it is a development from different um, aspects of growth. And it's not as though one is better or worse, they're just different stages of development. It's yeah. not so, you know, from that, from, I mean, I, there's a integral theory, which taught nobody, everybody's right to some degree. Mm -hmm. So when we know that we're right to some degree, we also know that some of what we need is like the, the, the skin of the snake that needs to be shed. We keep the core, yeah. but we get a new one. We get a new perspective. And um, uh, that's, I think, as you said, is, you know, is the development that needs to go on. Um, yeah. And there's increasing complexity as we go along, but the simplicity is there. And biology shows that, you know, there's cells, there's there, in our body, there's molecules and cells and, and organs. Each of them is important, but it's the whole unit that mm -hmm. needs to function. But each, each internal, organ has to function as well yeah absolutely i love that mind, it's the whole mind unit and that body needs to function. <laughs> yeah, mind and body yeah. mm -hmm. absolutely it's all about that isn't it and um i'm happy that we've started to have this kind of conversations more often lately um and i'm also happy to see a lot of these conversations happening in schools by the way Nice. Um, in some schools and maybe in some parts of the world, not all of them, but it's, it's a discussion that wasn't there uh, a while back. So we're, we're on a development path um, <laughs> as well, and we can see things changing and moving towards this, this better understanding of what makes us us and how we can then grow on our path even more. So I'm really I, happy to, to see these happening. And, and you know, and, and I, as you're speaking, I'm also thinking we also have this connectivity within the world now. Yeah. So we understand that it's not one country or another, but everybody is in this together. And to educate, to make sure education of this is everywhere, allows, yes. as they say, the water to rise so that all ships rise yes. in that sense, you know, as the consciousness grows more and more. And as you say, it's true. When yoga first was introduced in the West, it was not an easy issue. In fact, people thought of it as fitness. They thought of it as, you know, an aerobic and you could do it fast, you could do it slow and different scientific approaches are taken with it. And these are all aspects of it. But yoga is much more of a uh, 
is as much, if not more, a spiritual practice, which takes us into the self so that it means union and it's union of the mind and the body. And when we are present in that, not thinking about the past, not worried about the future, we are in the present. That's where the field of all possibilities exist. The field of all possibilities, that, that sounds amazing. And it's, it's there, right? I mean, we create it and it's there with us. It's, um, I love to hear you say that. I wanted to ask you, because going back to our discussion about how you discovered many of these things throughout your life and how they helped you, um, what would you say were or are the top three skills that helped you in your journey so far? (laughs) Interesting. What I would want to say is that um, it's not a skill so much as an opportunity that arose, but when I had the chance to meet my teacher, Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, that really helped a lot. And I must say that quite a bit of the comment, like the field of all possibilities, I learned from him. And I, like you, had this response of, that's an amazing place to be. So that opens opened me up to say okay what is here as well and to continue the the exploration i think in terms of what helped me come here is a curiosity is a willingness to explore something new now for people to explore something new it has to start where they are you can't be as a leader you can't be too far ahead of your group you have to be with them but at the same time understand where they're at and take them to a new place So the people who suggested to me, who made comments to me, your body's not responding. Try this Mm -hmm. meditation. There are people who I trusted, who I felt, and and I would follow their suggestions. So to be open to something new is one thing I think that's crucial. Um, In terms of other skills that were there is um, one that I think I learn more and more is to ask questions. I think at the beginning, I didn't that much uh, for whatever reasons of growing up and and, uh, uh, being a woman in the marketplace, which is a whole other conversation. Um, The the willingness and the skill to be vulnerable and ask questions, I think, is a crucial um, skill that we need to develop and to do that in a respectful way. Asking questions doesn't mean one has to follow the advice or... Um, or agree with it, but it is a way of opening up consciousness as well. And and then understanding, I think also um, more and more as I understand the nature of the mind and um, its limitations, its strengths and its Mm -hmm. limitations, that also has helped me a lot to um, uh, not believe everything I think. Um, Just because I'm thinking it doesn't mean it's right. Um, And uh the willingness to look at the bigger picture i think is there too to to look the, the long-term effects if i do this now if i do a small change today it will make for a big change in the future it's like a an angle you know it's a five percent change now over time grows to a significant growth 
So mm -hmm. what small changes can I make now, baby steps now, that won't be harmful or disruptive, but that I know will take me in the direction that's going to be beneficial. Right. I think I heard so many nuggets in what you just said right now that my head is spinning. And I think um, you're absolutely right. And it goes back to what you were saying before about, you know, we're right. We're all right to a certain extent. Uh, but at the same time, just be aware that it's just to a certain extent. And so don't believe everything you're thinking. <laughs> I really love that and how you, how you said it, because sometimes, I mean, and probably most of the times, we don't even realize how caught up we are in our own thoughts and way of thinking. And that leaves way to so much miscommunication, misunderstanding, potential conflicts and so on. Um, and just having that in mind, hey, <laughs> okay, should I, should I trust what I'm thinking right now? Should I believe in what I'm thinking right now? Or let's just open up the conversation a little bit more and investigate what else is possible? What other perspectives do I need to look at this from? And how do I stay authentic to myself in that process? Mm -hmm. Because I think part of my journey has been, oh, they're doing that, so I'll do that. They're, you know, and yeah. following the trend of what's there, where it would take me to a dead end because it wasn't what I needed for myself. Or let's put it this way more correctly, it was what I needed at the time. But as we know, dead ends are really important parts of development as well, because we know what's not right for us. Um, Edison and discovering the way of electricity, he had hundreds, if not thousands of mistakes. And he took each of them, well, it's not this, it's not that. To find the right ways, we really have to be authentic with ourselves, which is to know ourselves. And that, I think, takes time as well. Yeah. I know a, lot, a while ago, a, a friend who's a psychic therapist, she said, you know, as we grow older, it's the internal life that becomes more interesting. Why? Mm -hmm. Because we start learning what's more authentic for us. So again, as you were saying before, it's stages. There are, there is a stage of life and Ayurveda recognizes this until the age of about 20 or 25. We're students, we're gathering our education, we're being nurtured, our physical form is growing, our mind is growing. So that developmental stage from about 25 to 50, we're putting together the, the life. We're having families, we're creating careers, we're out there active, we're very pitta and active in the world. No, and from about 25, from about 50 or 60 to 80 or so, it's time we can have to, the opportunity to give back. We have the wealth, we have the fame, we have the children, we have the external things that we think were important. We've gathered that and we realize they're not giving us all the happiness we thought it would be. And we're realizing though there are other people who don't have, whether it's mm -hmm. because of poverty or homelessness or the environment. And that's when we have more resources and more time to give back to the greater good. And then at around 80, what's recognized in the Ayurveda is this life, this body has a limitation. It will stop soon. And it's time to pay attention to the spiritual. It's time to let go of the material more and more. 
the children we had, the friends we have, everybody's taking care of themselves. They've been given the tools and the opportunities they need. And now it's our time to prepare for the next transition. Beautiful, I love it? that. It is beautiful. And it also made me think when you put it like that, it also made me think about where we are as people right now in our in our history what what would be the stage that we're in from this perspective you know because I'm thinking it's we've we've started to definitely we've started to to shift conversations and to look more within and um, there's a lot of discussions and I'm not an expert but um, I I hear a lot of discussions going on around masculine feminine energies and the balance that we need from this point of view and I'm thinking this kind of conversation wasn't here 20 years ago not, not the not as often and not as powerful I think you're right I think consciousness has risen greatly um, and even a, I, I would say it in that there are certain um, books and scriptures that um, we recommended at times that one have a little bit of experience before one looks at them. And these are in the mystical traditions or these are in the esoteric yeah. traditions. And now some of them are quite open to the public because people are, um, because as I said, the water is rising, consciousness generally is rising. Know, terms of phrases that didn't exist 30, 40 years ago, now are just things that we use regularly. Um, yes. So I think it's true, um, the internal, that the East and the West coming together, the right brain and the left brain coming together, um, is saying both are right, they're complementary. You know, yes. science is the material world, spiritual is the subtle world, both are needed. You know, and and the um, issue is uh, not one of religion, it's one of spirit. And we all have a spirit. And most religions point towards that spirit. So um, we're coming to an, a new age. And again, if I may say, the, the Ayurveda, the Vedic knowledge, understands the cycles of consciousness. So there are dark periods and there are periods of light. And we're heading into a period of more light where we're coming from a period of greater darkness. Yeah. I'm great. I'm very grateful that there are schools and that there are people who have been able to keep the knowledge flowing. Mm -hmm. Not all of it is written down, but slowly more and more gets written down. And as they say, in, in all traditions and ages, there are people who have written poetry, written books, been teachers and have been able to hold that spark that yeah. each of us have and that now we're getting more contact with. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. And I'm looking at, even as you look at, the, at what happened with us through the pandemic, and there's been, I, I definitely looking at it, my point of view is that uh, creativity and science are the ones that saved us in a way. Uh, they helped us survive and hope to thrive again, which is, I think, 
it was a beautiful combination of seeing people, you know, singing in the streets, uh, coming up with creative ways of playing tennis from rooftop to rooftop, um, or, you know, having all of the, the, the virtual, which had such a boost. And you've seen concerts and events in the virtual space that we wouldn't have thought about before. And new ways, even in, in the way that people work, in the way that people lead, in the way that we're having these workplace conversations, there's a lot of creativity that had to happen and that happened overnight and to have such a blend of creative and and science i think we we haven't had that before and i think we were pretty good at you know using both both sides you know the east and the west the, <laughs> the left side and the right side i know and as, as you know as you, what's coming to my mind is the image of the yin and the yang the circle yes. of the white with the black dot and the black with the right dot, white dot yes. because in every situation there's a silver lining yes. that doesn't mean everybody has the silver lining because there's many people who are struggling and in difficulties yeah. but if one looks at the whole situation as you say certain kinds of interactions have been speeded up things that certain profession says no we could never do this online they had mm -hmm. to go online yeah. and we also have access to culture worldwide and we are learning so much about the wisdom of other cultures, of other people, that um, I hope those things uh, are permanent now and that the future is a blend of what was and an inclusion of all the good and the opportunities for yeah. coming together consciously. Consciously, exactly, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great, great point. Um, okay, I, I, we, we never have enough time for <laughs> these conversations. I, that's my experience with the old personal podcast all the time, and I know that we could keep this going, but um, and I can't let you go without asking you for you know a thought of wisdom uh, or something that you want to share with people who are listening to us today and it can be anything a quote or a movie a song whatever you felt inspired by and you want to share with okay. us well i do have a quote um that okay. i that i love and it is from my teacher Sri Sri ravi shankar um right. it is make your smile cheap and make your anger expensive what that means is things that are cheap, many people will have it. Things that are expensive, it's for the few. So if we let our smile be cheap and share it widely, let it be free, give it away. We're spreading something very special to other people. And quite often, you know, people, why are you smiling? Will be the question, right? And then it becomes, <laughs> because smiling makes me feel good. Nothing more yeah. than that, you know, but anger gets in the way when we act from yeah. anger, it really fuels the situation rather than relaxes the situation. So make it expensive. If you're going to be angry, make somebody really work for it, make them earn, you know, do something really, really awful that makes you angry. And then your anger becomes a justified anger. Then it becomes a healing anger in some ways and educational. So that's one of my favorite quotes. And if I, I may... 
I do too. Um, the other thing I thought about is one a, a book called Sapiens by Harari. And it is a history of humanity from a perspective that when I read it, it blew my mind. It changed the way I thought about human development, about the development of sapiens, about the human history from millions of years ago to the present. And uh, I had to read it very slowly. It was a rich presentation. A rich presentation, yeah. And I think there's also a, um, a documentary series, if I'm not mistaken, that's called exactly that, Sapiens. Ah, it's good. after the book. Yeah, it's done after the book. So yeah, it's, but, but thank you for sharing them. And I will definitely share, um, I will mention them in the description of our episode because I love everything that you said. I love that quote and I'll remember it. And actually, you know, I was I was looking at us too as you were talking about the smiles and everything. We were smiling, we were both smiling and it's and it's so true and it's so easy to do. It's easy to do, you know, sometimes when you have a connection with someone, even if you're talking about something painful, you could be smiling. Yes. Yeah. You know, and you know, they, we, smiles don't, smiles are a very um, misunderstood resource. <laughs> oh, yes, exactly. So let's, let's help it be um, better understood, maybe. Absolutely. Let's, let's get into you, this. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a wonderful interviewer and you're just animated and enthusiastic, which draws out your, me for particular, and I'm sure all those people who speak with you. I wish you much, much success with all that you do. Thank you so much, Deborah, and thank you for being a guest on the All Personal Podcast and sharing so many wisdom nuggets with us. Um, I'm going to have to re-listen to this episode over and over again because I have some, <laughs> some things that thank I want to dwell into. <laughs> thank you very much. So, are you smiling right now? I think this quote that Deborah shared at the end of our conversation is going to stay with me for a while. Make your smile cheap and make your anger expensive. What I also think I will do right after we finish this conversation is think about something else that she said. When you're joyful and happy about something, you really want to share it. So what are you joyful and happy about that you want to share with the world? Isn't that all personal? Until next time.